So bodies are healed at the, the sound of his name. Uh, mountains are moved at the sound of his name. Strongholds are broken at the sound of his name. <coughs> you know, and as the scripture as the scriptures state in James, that demons tremble at the sound of his name. And so there's power <coughs> in the name of Jesus. Um, the name of Jesus is not an impotent name. It's not a powerless name. It's not a um, a common name is a holy name. And um, <clears throat> it's the name above all names. Amen. As it states in Philippians, wherefore God hath also highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He is Lord. He, In fact, he is the Lord of lords. What that, is, what that implies is that there are many lords in this world, in lowercase l, but Jesus is the Lord of them, and he rules them. Amen? He has all dominion. He has all, all power. He has all might. He has all wisdom, and it is him that we proclaim. <clears throat> See, and, and that that is what we need to recapture as the church is the glorification of the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen. See, because there's a lot of people today that are glorifying themselves, they're glorifying their names, glorifying their denomination, uh, they're glorifying their uh, abomination and denomination. But it causes desolation. The only thing that we're supposed to be praising is the name of Jesus. And now God may use a movement, God may use a denomination, but it's not because there's any inherent power in that denomination. It, it, it's because there is power in His name. Amen. And the Holy Ghost within, within us uh, gets excited <coughs> when the name of Jesus is glorified. Hallelujah. Because, you know, the devil, what he wants to do is he wants to come and start magnifying your problems. He wants to start come. He wants to come and start magnifying your issues and your situations because as valid as those things may be is because he wants to set a magnifying glass upon those things so that your attention is no longer on the Lord and you thereby are, aren't praising him any longer. You aren't magnifying the Lord. Amen. Because how can you be magnifying the Lord if we're magnifying our problems? Amen. And so that doesn't mean that our problems don't matter. It doesn't mean that we can't bring our problems to the Lord because that's what God commands that we do. However, it is suggestive of the fact that it is not our problems that we praise. Amen. Because some of the ways that certain believers pray, they almost praise their problems to the Lord. And what I mean by that is the grumbling and the murmuring and the complaining suggests that God is not powerful enough to deliver them from whatever it is that they're going through. They, they um, you know, and I'm not trying to guilt anybody or make anybody feel bad, but... We, we mope around sometimes, and that ought not to be. 
That ought not to be in the slightest. Now, let me just say something, because I felt led to say this, um, regarding the name of the Lord. There is a movement out there that will tell you that you cannot use Jesus' name in the English language, or well, especially English language is what they will have an issue with, and that you somehow have to say it in Hebrew. That's nonsense. You don't have to say Jesus' name in Hebrew. Man. Their argument Man. is, Man. well, there was no J in the ancient language, and so, you know, you're, are we making up names? Um, um, because there is no J in the he Hebraic language. Well, duh, it's Hebrew. Why are you going to expect an English character from the English alphabet in the Hebraic language. See, what people don't understand is that they don't know how the languages function. And so you get, and I'm going to just say it, an ignorant fool who wants to propagate his false Hebrew-Israelite doctrine. Because there's, there's a movement out there that, that are racist and they will attack people and they are exclusive, and the gospel is no gospel at all. They'll say that the gospel is only to the Jew, which they don't even get that correct. Um, and they exclude everybody else, every other ethnic group. That is heresy. Amen? The blood of Jesus doesn't identify race. It is open for all men. Hallelujah. It doesn't the, the blood of Jesus, see, it's not like Calvinism that it skips over people. Like, oh, you're you, duck, duck, goose. You're damned, you're going to heaven. You're damned, you're going to heaven. No, it's not that way. It, it is for all parties. Whosoever will believe shall be saved. Amen. Well, what, what these uh, dead corpses Amen. don't understand, and the reason why I call them that, is because they, they are ravenous wolves. These people are not to be tolerated. They're to be marked and they're to be uh, uh, identified as heretics because they are. And, and I'm not talking about little, you know, a denomination within the Christian community. These people are not Christians. Okay, they'll use Jesus' name, but they're serving another Jesus, a certain Jesus that hates other people, that hates certain races. No, we, we are not we are not supposed to be doing that. <coughs> now, they'll say, um, "Oh, there's no letter J um, in the Hebrew language." But see, it's called transliteration. Okay, transliteration is not translation. Transliteration is when you have to take an ancient language or a language that is older than the language in which you're attempting to transliterate into. And you have to uh, use those characters in that alphabet to import it into a new language. And, in, 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 in you're supposed to, uh, there's supposed to be correspondence with this older language and this newer language. And, and you're supposed to say, okay, well, you know, let's say, for example... Um, we take the uh, Greek letter Iota, and we'll, we'll say we're going to assign the letter I from the English language 
to iota in the Greek language so that there's correspondence. So that when I want to spell uh, the name Iesus from Greek, it begins with an iota, then an epsilon, then a sigma, then an omicron, then an upsilon. Those are the Greek languages, uh, the Greek letters, and then and you just match. Now I, I hope I hope I'm explaining that accurately. Does that make sense? So you have an iota in the Greek language, and we they have to think, well, well, what letter am I going to use from this language so that they equal each other? I hope that makes sense. So the point that I'm trying to make is since there's no J in the Hebrew language, which you shouldn't expect for there to be, duh, because it's Hebrew, they'll say that we're making up names. And it's just nonsense. We're not making up names. We're transliterating a name. Simple as that. And you know what's funny is a lot of these Hebrew Israelites, <laughs> a lot of these Hebrew Israelites will say that's not a valid name. And yet when you use the name Jesus in English, demons tremble and they get cast out. So you're telling me that demons recognize it, but you don't? Amen. So, So at the sound of his name, uh, people are still saved, regardless of race, regardless of background, regardless of how wicked you were. The name of Jesus it still reaches to the lowest valley, ascends to the highest mountain, and his blood will never lose its power. Amen. And so, um, with that said, let us let us get into prayer. Let us uh, come with united heart and united minds. Um, <coughs> the Bible says that uh, on the day of Pentecost hallelujah thank you Jesus I know how to talk about that for a reason um, the Bible says as they were seated in one mind and one accord in the day of Pentecost fully had come uh, then the Holy Ghost came amen so See, the, the problem with uh, some churches is that the people, the devil would plant seeds of strife and those seeds of strife will cause disunity and the Holy Ghost won't rest upon a camp if there's disunity. There, there cannot be disorder, disunity, or confusion. There has to be unity of mind and unity of heart and because that is the expression of love. People who don't love each other will not unite. We start putting up walls and barriers and say, you know, no, nah, not that person. And we start being selective and partial in our, uh, in our judgment. And James says this when he's talking about bringing in a, a, a person who's homeless. And he says, you tell the homeless person to sit over there while the person who is wealthy go, go sit over there. He says, have you not made a partial judgment and have become discerner of evil thoughts? And so we cannot be discerner of evil thoughts, right? Sh sh being partial towards our brother or our sister. All right, so <clears throat> let us come in unity and let, let us pray. Father, we, we come before you, Lord, and we thank you, God, for that exhortation, Lord, that charge there in the beginning of this, of this meeting. Lord, we thank you for uh, permitting that the technology... Uh, run smoothly, Lord, and there be no lag in the 
and the music this day, Lord, we acknowledge the the importance of music, and we we bless you for uh, so many artists and and worshipers, God, who have made um, music and have uh, recorded music for the blessing of the church, Lord. <clears throat> we we thank you and we praise you, God, that you have assigned. Uh, particular individuals within your body of a measure of grace, Lord, to bless your body that are skilled in in, uh, music, that are skilled with a harp, so to speak. And Father, we just pray, God, that our, our minds will understand that even after having sung these worship songs that um, as we enter into the Word that we are still worshiping the Lord, that the administration of your Word, O God, is no less a form of worship. <clears throat> Father, I just pray, God, that your presence would be here with us, that you would be pleased to make your abode, that you would be pleased to dwell in the midst of your people. God, even now I pray that you would um, grant grace, Lord, to the listeners, to the hearers, that they, Father, may not be derailed in this gathering, Lord, that they would not be distracted or derailed. Father, grant them the capacity to not only be hearers of the word this day, but to be receptive and become doers of the word. Father, I pray, grant us power and grant us grace. Grant us your anointing, Lord Jesus, we pray. Holy Spirit, I pray that every demon would be bound, every demon would be dispelled, and Father, that your glory would dwell here in the midst of us, Father, and a timely word would be spoken to us, either for correction, encouragement, exhortation, admonition, or learning, Lord, we pray. <coughs> and Father, I ask lastly that you would allow for us to grow deeper into the wells of eternal grace. Father, cause us, Lord, to become more hungry in the place of worship, in the place of prayer. And Father, grant us a dedication that far surpasses, Lord, the dedication that the the world has unto the devil. Father, grant us a commitment. Grant us an untiring and unceasing worship, O Lord. Offer, Lord, from from the fruit of our lips as a sacrifice of praise. Lord, we thank you. Hallelujah. Grant me the unction and the anointing needed, Father to preach your word this day. Father, may we become more like Jesus. Conform us into the image of your Son and be glorified thereby. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Well, I want to ask that we turn to the book of Romans. Um. The book of Romans. Let me say one other thing, because I feel led by the Lord to share this. And um, regarding the feast days, regarding the Sabbath, regarding all of these things that the law of Moses states, okay, we are not to observe that. We are not to obey those things. First of all, being Gentiles and not Jews, even if it applied today, which it doesn't, we would not be under that because that was given to Jews and not Gentiles. 
lot of people don't understand this. What were the feast days for? What were the Sabbath? What were all those things for? What was the Passover for? Did the Lord pass over the Gentiles? Or did he pass over the Jews when he brought them out of Egypt? Or when they were still in Egypt? What he passed over the Jews. And the Jews had to do that to commemorate that day. Lest they forget that that was the God who brought them out of the land of Egypt. Who did not suffer the angel of death to kill them. Now was that to the ethnic Jews? Or was that to the Gentiles? It was unto the ethnic Jews, not to the Gentiles. Therefore, even if it was still valid today, Gentiles would not obey it. Okay? That's why the Bible says, Paul says in Romans, Gentiles, without having a law, right? What the Bible says in Romans 3, it says, what advantage has the Jew? It says, unto them were committed the oracles of God. What were the oracles of God? The law, the Old Testament covenant. So then that means that that was given to those specific people at that time. However, Jesus has fulfilled the law of Moses. So when Jesus says, I did not come to abolish it, but to fulfill it, what it meant, what it would have implied if he said, I, if he came to abolish it, that would mean we were left lawless. We are not left lawless. We are left with a law, but a law that is fulfilled. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus is the law that the church is under, according to Romans 8. Okay? <coughs> um. Yes, we, we can pray for that uh, after the, the Bible study, sure, sis, um, at, towards the end. Um, <clears throat> so, what what that means, and let me just break quick quickly break this down. So, Jesus um, is the example. He is all that the law points to. The Bible says in Galatians that the law... The Old Covenant, the Mosaic Law, was a tutor to lead us to Christ. Right? And it says that he was born of a woman to redeem those who were under the law. So time and time again, you see this, you see that, the, that God's ultimate purpose was not for us to remain under the Mosaic Law. Okay? That a time would come when we were brought and ushered to Christ. Okay? Christ being high priest has ushered in what we call the new covenant and the bible says in hebrews chapter 7 that if there's a changing of the order of the priesthood which jesus ushered in because he's the priest the high priest after the order of melchizedek it says in hebrews 7 that there is by necessity the changing of the order of the law so if there's a changing of the order of priesthood, there is a changing of the law, which means the law has changed. Okay? So that means you don't have to be circumcised. That means you don't have to sacrifice a goat. That means you don't have to observe kosher laws and abstain from pig. That, doesn't, that also means that you don't have to go to church on Saturday because that Sabbath was given to the Jews. And it doesn't mean that we are Sabbath-less. The Sabbath is now in Christ. 
What that means, the Bible says in Hebrews, let us therefore labor to enter into his rest. And, and now, <coughs> what comes before that, he says this. He says, if you hear his voice today, harden not your hearts as you did in the days of rebellion. It says, for if God, it says, for if God had given the people of God rest, God not God would not have otherwise spoken of another day of rest through the mouth of David. Now let me break this down to you. When was the Sabbath law given? It was given from Moses before the life of David. Is that correct? <clears throat> That's correct. The Sabbath was given by God through Moses. However, the writer of Hebrews in the New Testament, so this is an Old Testament, the writer of Hebrews in the New Testament is quoting David from the Psalms, and in the Psalms, David says this, if you hear his voice today, harden not your hearts as you did in the days of rebellion. Okay? Now, what significance does that have? The significance that that has is the writer of Hebrews is drawing from David. Okay? He's drawing from David to make his point, and the point is this, that only those who hear the voice of God get to enter into that rest. David was speaking of hearing of the voice of the Lord today. Okay, he says, today, if you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Well, when is today? It can be Monday, it can be Tuesday, it can be Wednesday, it can be Thursday. When are you hearing his voice? When, when did the gospel come to you? On what day? And the point is this, it doesn't matter what day. As long as it is today and you hear it, you can enter in that rest. Does that make sense? So that means it is a weekly thing. It's a daily, excuse me, a daily thing that the voice of God comes, the gospel comes, we hear it, and we enter into that rest that Christ has made available to us. Does that make sense? <coughs> <clears throat> now, um, I hope I hope that makes sense. Um, again, the Holy Spirit is speaking, and when we hear His voice, He's offering us rest. Did not Jesus say that? All who come, He says, "Come unto Me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, take upon My yoke, and you shall find rest for your souls." Amen. So Jesus is at rest. It's not a particular day. Because people get so religious. Oh, you know, I did this. I, I, you know, I, I say Jesus' name in Hebrew. So what? But you don't obey him? It, it's like this video I seen some years back. There was this little girl. And, um, and her, her dad said, hey, you know, uh, let's just say your name was Haley. You know, Haley, uh, I need you to clean up your room. And she said, okay, Dad. And she was chilling on her couch. And then the dad came in like maybe an hour later. And there was no, there was no change to her room. Right? There, the, the, the room didn't change. And she said, and then uh, the, the dad said, honey, didn't I say change the room? Didn't I tell you clean up the room? She said, yeah, I know, Dad. But uh, I know I didn't do it. But guess what? I can tell you what you said to me in Greek and Hebrew. <laughs> right? And he's like, uh, you're missing the point. I don't care if you can tell me in 10 different languages. You're not doing what I asked you to do. 
Okay, so let us go to Romans 12. Romans chapter 12, beginning at verse 1. I know we just recently read this, but we're not going to go over verses 1 through 2 um, at length. I just want to read that to give you a little bit of context and to recap for what we had uh, spoken about not long ago. <clears throat> it was some weeks back. Because this is important for the following verses. My, my, my emphasis will be today from verses 3 through 8. <coughs> so again, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Um, it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, <coughs> in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. <clears throat> Excuse me. So the reason why I'm reading this is before... So in verse 3, he begins to talk about the gifts. He begins to talk, you know, uh, well, that he says not to think of yourselves more highly than you ought. But he's introducing a discussion regarding the, the gifts, okay, from verses 3 through 8, okay? <clears throat> but why it's important for us to take note of verses 1 and 2, where he talks about offering your bodies as a living sacrifice and renewing your mind, is because of this. Number one, if you don't offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, you will not use your gifts in order to serve the church. Amen. <clears throat> yeah. Amen. You're, you're going to be one of those people who hide your talents under the ground. In the Gospels, I believe, if not mistaken, it might be Luke 18, but I can be wrong about that. But it's somewhere in the Gospels where uh, the, the owner assigns talents to the servants. <clears throat> what, uh, you know, and for each person, there's a different, uh, a different number of talents that are assigned to them. And a number of them make profit, right? But one of them hides that talent and says, uh, no, my master is a hard taskmaster. I'm not going to do anything with this talent. So instead, instead of using it, I'm going to go and hide it. And the owner then returns to that servant and says, look, he says, you wicked and lazy servant. So we see that the main problem, I, well, there's two main problems, I think. There's a lack of love that inhibits us, that prevents us from using our gifts to serve the body of Christ, right? That I think that's the most foundational. But also is laziness. There is a slothfulness today in the body of Christ, right? But you know what's interesting though? <clears throat> They'll labor very hard for their owner. I mean, to, for, for their employer, right? Or if they're self-employed, they got their own business and they work really hard. Or, or, or for, they'll work really hard for Caesar. Or they'll work really hard for their family. And I'm not saying those are bad things. Those are very good things. You want to do that. Right? Because we should not ever have a poor quality of work ethic when it comes to our work. Even though, let me say on the side, some of you work too hard. <clears throat> Laziness isn't your problem. Compulsion is your problem. 
right? Because you think that if I don't work hard enough, I won't be worth anything. And some of you need to defeat that mindset because that, that's something the enemy wants to enact in your mind as a stronghold. If I don't work hard enough, I won't be good enough. And you have a works-based mindset even in even though it's not in the church, it's in secular things, but you know God is looking, and so you want to earn God's favor by working extra hard. No, we, 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 we rest in grace. But nonetheless, the problem I see is slothfulness and, and being sluggish, right? <clears throat> and um, where was I going with that? <coughs> Can someone remind me? I my, my memory slips me sometimes. What what was I saying to lead me up to that point? Living sacrifice. Um Anyways, <clears throat> What I think I was saying is, oh, with the gifts, uh, the talents, there you go. Um, the guy, the, the, the owner said to the servant, he says, you wicked and lazy servant. So his problem was twofold. He was wicked and he was lazy, right? He didn't want to use these talents unto the Lord. And isn't that what the body of Christ does, right? They say, Hey, you know, I'm sorry, Pastor, I can't come to prayer because I'm tired. You're just burying your talent. Hey, you know, I hope you understand. You know, and I like to be kind, but in all honesty, I really don't understand. <laughs> so if you're looking for understanding, I, I don't understand. I'm the last person that's going to understand you. Because I don't understand that, you know, and I'm not trying to guilt people. I'm just... Just trying to bring to you what I think is true. I understand that, hey, you got severely ill. I understand that. I understand you got severely ill and you're like in your bed. But you know what? At the same time, if you're on Instagram, but you can't join Zoom, I'm sorry, I don't understand that. How are you on Instagram? Right? Because... You, for you to log on Zoom, I mean, you you get what I'm saying? What's the difference? But like, you're like, no, I'm sleeping. I'm knocked out. I had to take NyQuil or whatever <clears throat> because I'm just in so much pain. This fever is like 103. You know, you get what I'm saying? But the point that I'm trying to make is that is, you know, the devil, you think the devil understands that his his servants are sick? And they say, hey, you know what? Uh, I'm sorry, I just can't offer the sacrifice to you, Satan. No, the, 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 the devil don't understand that. Now, of course, our Lord is not a hard taskmaster. So the Lord is gracious and he empowers and he's patient. Amen? But don't allow God's patience to excuse you for your slothfulness. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. Don't allow the Lord's patience to excuse you from <clears throat> your slothfulness. Don't allow the Lord's grace to excuse you. It's there to empower you. 
And yes, we do fail. But if you do fail, the Bible says you have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, who is a propitiation for our sins, who is an advocate. And that advocacy, the strength of Jesus' advocacy, and the strength of the power of the Holy Ghost is more than enough to get us to where we need to go so that we can use our talents properly. Amen. Amen. You know, let me say this, and I don't say this to boast at all. When, when the Lord called me at 17 years old, I, I was sponsored for a fight club. I used to do MMA. My uncle knew I was a brawler and, you know, a thug in the street, street fighter, whatever. And so he said, you know, he talked to a local uh, guy at the, you know, that did MMA. And he's like, hey, you need to get my uh, nephew in. Because I'm telling you, he got his hands. And I, again, I'm saying this not to boast. I'm saying this because I want to make a larger point here. <clears throat> and I wasn't saved at the time. Okay? I wasn't saved, but I was dedicated. And when they had us doing like 75 push-ups, 75 sit-ups, 75 crunches, 75 uh, Mississippis, like one Mississippi, two Mississippi, doing planks, right? Like you're, you're having to plank your body like this. And it's just back-to-back. And then, you know, and then you're having to run like five miles right after all of that. And I didn't even list all of the exercises. You come back, you're punching the bags, doing all this stuff, and you're exhausted. I've seen people throw up because they work you so dang hard. Now, I say that because when the Lord called me, I'm I'm all inflated with pride at that age because, you know, who wouldn't, right, as a little kid, right? And, And I gave that up because... I don't care about making my name great. When the Lord Jesus came to me, I said, this stuff is trash. It's rubbish. And I'm not saying it's bad to exercise. I'm not saying it's bad. And I'm not even saying it's bad to go into some Brazilian jiu-jitsu for, you know, get disciplined and, you know, learn some grappling moves. I'm not saying it's bad. But I'm saying for me, the Holy Ghost convicted me and said, no, you're not going to make your name great. I know that you got, you know, things that you're proud of in the flesh, but I called you for a greater purpose. Amen. I called you for a greater purpose, and this is not it. Amen? Amen? You know, some of you have given up stuff. You know, for example, Brother Kezron, I mean, he's 6'8", good basketball player. Add, you know, what, scholarship or, you know, for college, and yet he gave it up. See, some of you, see, some of you, Think you're giving stuff up, but it ain't very much even to the world. It's like, what? What? You're giving that up? That's some chump change. <clears throat> See, some of you are giving up, right, in, in, in offerings. What wouldn't even give you a, a, a dime sack in the world? Like, you, you can't even buy anything from the dealer. But yet, when you're in the world, you, you gave up all your money to the drug dealer. Right? Amen. I remember one time I posted on Facebook, people are, were willing to wait longer on their connect, on their drug dealer, more than they're willing to wait on God in prayer. How about this? Some of you sisters are willing to wait in the coffee line or Starbucks or Dutch Bros or whatever longer than you're willing to wait on God in prayer. 
It's like an hour away in Starbucks, and yet you got to have your Starbucks. But when it comes to prayer, oh, you know, I'm not coming today. I'm tired. I'll just say, my, uh, I lay me down to sleep. I pray to the Lord my soul to keep. Amen. <laughs> right? Now, I'm not saying this to condemn us. I'm not saying that we're condemned if that's us. But this is where we now need to allow the, the Holy Spirit to yield the uh, the yield to the Holy Spirit in this area in our life so that we can become more conformed to the image of Christ. <clears throat> Remember when Jesus, see, you are saved indeed, but the Lord purchased you with his blood. Your body, my body, doesn't belong to ourselves anymore. Amen. It says he uh, died for all Amen. that henceforth we will no longer live unto ourselves, but unto him who died for us. <clears throat> now, so we see here this this is concerning consecration, right? To offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, right? <clears throat> and then secondly, talking about renewing the mind so that you may be test, able to test and approve what the will of God is, right? Because if your mind is not renewed, you'll commit the the you'll commit the problem that Paul then mentions in verse three. Um, what is that problem? He says this, For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think, think. Remember, he just talked about renewing our minds. Why is it important to renew, renew our minds? Because if you don't renew your mind, you'll think this way. And think what way? He says, don't think of yourselves more highly than you ought. Amen. Because what happens is when you begin to think of yourself more highly, you begin to shoot further than you can reach and if you shoot further than what you can reach guess what you know what the term harmatios means in the greek sin it means missing the mark it connotes a an archer who's shooting a bow and he misses the mark and so whether you come up short to the mark or you go beyond the mark the point is you're not hitting the target and so if you're not hitting the target, you won't be able to execute the will of God for your life. Amen? <clears throat> Y'all can say amen to that. See, some of you, brothers and sisters, you just got to give up the dream of being a worship leader. <laughs> I, You know, one of the things I wanted to do when I first got saved, because I just love worship, I can play the piano, but I can't sing. And I just had to realize I'm not the singer. Amen? Because if I do, I will think of myself more highly than I ought. Amen? <clears throat> you know, I went to this church some probably about a year ago. <laughs> I had to tap into the resources available for me in Christ to help me with patience. I had to draw from the infinite wells of patience because this guy was singing and it just sounded like people scratching a dang whiteboard, a chalkboard. 
just with the nail. <laughs> I was like, I'm about to walk up out of this church. This is annoying. <laughs> I, it was that bad. And I was almost getting offended because I'm like, why do they have this guy up here? What is the pastor thinking? <laughs> I know you're more holy. And you just say, he sounds like an angel. And just acts more pious and, you know, holy. <clears throat> right? Oh, man. Oh, bless the brother's heart. <laughs> no. No. Don't bless the... Because he, he's not a blessing to the church. So why, why do we have to allow you... Why do we have to endure your horrible voice, which ain't for Jesus, because... I mean, either you're that blind to yourself, you, it, it, either you're that blind to yourself, like you just don't realize you don't sound that good. And I, and I understand there's some people out there that do, they just, they just don't understand. They have so a lack of self-awareness or you do, but you don't care because you want to make it all about you. Amen. There's people out there. Yeah, the shower type singer. You know, and it's kind of like a lot of rappers today. They're only good with auto-tune. They were rapping in the shower, and they threw a little bit of auto-tune. Right? You can make a dog sound good on auto-tune today. <laughs> now, I'm, I'm just adding a little bit of humor to lighten the blow. <clears throat> Um, the point that I'm trying to make though, is that, <clears throat> but yeah, so I was like, Lord, I, I'm being honest. I was like, Lord, please help me, please. Cause this is, this is annoying me. God, <laughs> this is annoying me. Um, he was that bad. I I've seen, you know, decent, okay, tolerable, but he was horrible. Um, and he was off tune. But now the point though, that I'm trying to make, let me just say this on the side. A pastor should not let anybody like that up. I don't care what he says. I don't care if it's his son. I don't care if it's his daughter. I don't care if it's his nephew. I don't care if the sister said, I'm just trying to sing a special today. If it's horrible, I, I get if it's decent, but if it's horrible where everybody else is not blessed and it's causing, uh, dis, like it just causes a friction in the atmosphere, that's not a blessing. Amen. It's wasting people's time. I've seen in, in some churches where they would have this guy come and speak. And I, 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 was, I will hear people sighing. Like, oh gosh, man. Because they're not getting to the word. They have no grace to administer the word. Amen. Come on, y'all need to talk to me here. Don't don't act holier than thou. You know that I'm telling the truth. You want your time wasted? Especially you're in the midst of a crisis and you need the Holy Ghost to come through and there's a person who is hindering the move of God? You know, I've seen in church, you know, someone come up and sing who everybody knows can't sing, but everybody got to put up the front like we're holy, so they'll say, oh, bless him, Lord. Come on now. It's all right. And it's like, no, it's not all right. Don't let them up. (laughs) 
I'm just being honest. You know why? Because I want everybody blessed. I don't want us to be robbed. Amen. Amen. Because I, some, you know, someone more mature can tolerate it, but there's other people who may have just lost their mother, who may have just lost a loved one, who's going through a crisis, so they don't need anything that will hinder them from being ushered into the presence of God. Amen. <clears throat> so, Paul says, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. You know what Paul doesn't say? He doesn't say, don't, he doesn't say, don't think of yourself highly. I love C.S. Lewis, Lewis's quote on humility, and this will deliver you from a mental stronghold. He said, <clears throat> humility is not to think less of yourself. It's to think of yourself less. Did you capture that? <clears throat> it's not to think less of yourself. It's to think of yourself far less. Right? So if your judgment is in accord with who you really are, for example, if the president steps into a restaurant and people are surrounding him, right? <clears throat> and he tells one of his, you know, bodyguards, hey, can you go get me that? He is in proper alignment right but if i walk in a restaurant and start telling people hey give me they're gonna say who do you think you are i'm thinking of myself more highly than i ought that is not my jurisdiction of authority i don't have a right to be telling people that I, you get what i'm saying and so there are certain people if you're in a, if you're with proper judgment thinking in alignment with who you really are then you're okay Okay? But the problem is if you think less of it or you think beyond it. Amen? <clears throat> um, I think Chihuahuas have this problem. <laughs> you ever seen those Chihuahuas? They'll bark real loud even at a pit bull. And the pit bull just rolls on its back and, you know, it's not even intimidated. But the chihuahua's angry for no reason. I don't know why chihuahuas are like that. They just, they're angry for everybody. But it's, they think of themselves too highly. <laughs> yeah, little man syndrome. <clears throat> but the point, though, that I'm making is this. <clears throat> you have to have a renewed mind. In order to think of yourself in proper judgment, because the moment you start thinking less, you'll start talking yourself, or the devil will start talking you out of the will of God, saying you're not good enough to be doing that. Who do you think you are? Or they will start, you know, feeding you lies. The enemy will start feeding you lies and say, "Hey, you should be doing more than that." People are trying to talk you out of greatness. Or, you know, he gives you a certain message so that you overreach. And so you might be able to get there by yourself. But you know what will happen is you're putting weights on the bar, but your legs cannot withstand the pressure. So you will fold and you will collapse under a pressure you've put on yourself that you cannot bear. 
Amen. And see, this is why it's in, it's imperative that you get pastored because you don't know what you don't know. And you haven't experienced certain things. So what you might make, you might misjudge and say, I'm ready for this. And when you do that, you will be crushed. Or the opposite of the problem is that you never are encouraged. You're so discouraged and you need that individual to help guide you and speak life into you so that you can obtain what the devil's been trying to talk you out of. Amen? Amen. <clears throat> and that, that's what the enemy always does. He's a liar. Because he wants, to, he wants to get you to think that he is stronger than he actually is. So he has to use deception to mess with your mind, to mess with your perception, so that you can cower down and not advance forward in the things and purposes that God has for your life. Amen. He will say you're not wise enough. He'll say you're not knowledgeable enough. Amen. He'll say that you're not strong enough. He'll say all of these things. And you know what? In ourselves, that is correct. However, the Holy Ghost has made available for you everything that is requisite and necessary for you to do what God has called you to do. So you don't have to hide your talents. You don't have to bury them in the ground. You don't have to become discouraged and disheartened. There's enough available for you in God to get you to your destination. Amen? <coughs> and so, he says this, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you. So you know Paul, he, he's writing to the church at Rome. And he recognizes that what he's about to say or what he is saying requires grace. Amen. So you know what is implied from this? That there are people who have the grace to speak. And there are people who do not have the grace to speak. You can be as eloquent as Socrates and Plato. And you can have a mind of Albert Einstein. And you can have the charisma of you know, these Hollywood actors. But if you are lacking in the grace of God in that area, you will not succeed. Amen. <clears throat> Amen, somebody. So what is what is necessary is the grace of God in a particular area in order for you to prosper. You cannot do what God hasn't called you to do and use God to back you up. God will only back you up to do what he has assigned you to do. Amen? Yeah. That's the truth. So, um, yes. God will only back you up in the things that he's called you to do. And see, sometimes when we, we want different than what God has for our lives, what we will do is we'll just use Jesus' name as a tag, as a label, and, and we'll put Jesus' name on it and think that that is enough. And that's not enough. Because you can be putting Jesus' name on it and it's not what the Lord wants you to do. Amen. <clears throat> you need the grace of God. Now, what is the grace of God? The grace of God is the 
ability or the power to do what you cannot do in yourself. Grace is a gift. And when I say gift, I don't just mean the like the gift to prophesy or the gift to healing. I'm not talking about it's it is rooted in the ultimate gift, namely a person, the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> so the the where we tap into grace is the Holy Spirit. And this is why I often emphasize prayer as much as I do because no man is greater than their prayer life. No woman, no man is stronger than their prayer life. So that if you are not praying, you're not uh, availing yourself of the resources that God has available for you. Amen. The moment you begin to seize from prayer is the moment that you seize from a life empowered by grace. Do you understand that? The moment you cease from prayer is the t the moment you begin to live a life that is absent from the grace of God. See, when, for example, <clears throat> when I preach, I have to pray as I do before I preach because it doesn't matter how much Bible I know, doesn't matter how many years of experience I have, if the Holy Ghost isn't speaking through me, then it got, you won't be able to be directed to where God wants you to go. <clears throat> I can be a Christian. I can have 20 years of experience. I can be the best speaker, right? You, someone can be all of that. But for purposes that are sanctified unto the Lord, it requires the Lord in it. Amen. You can't do things for God absent from God. Paul says, you who have begun by the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? And that's unfortunately and tragically and sadly the direction that many people go who begin to become prosperous in the gifts that God has given them and they delude themselves into thinking that they no longer need the same God who brought them there. Amen. And so it isn't until a time of crisis arises, they are awakened from their slumber and realize, ah, I do need this God again. Therefore, I'm going to call on his name. Amen. This is why I always pray. I love what Ravenhill prayed. He says, Lord, may nothing die in me that should live and may nothing live in me that should die. But the grace of God. So, you know, the grace of God isn't laborless. You know, today we have this image of the grace of God as if, you know, I just get to kick back in my lazy boy chair and, you know, sip on a cup of joe and I don't have to do anything. That's not true. The grace of God is the ability to do what you cannot do in yourself. So it's not laborless. It's just empowered labor. Does, does it make sense? It's not laborlessness. It's not uh, idleness. It is the empowerment 
in your labor from God and by God. Amen. <clears throat> and so, because uh, I'm sure you all... Now, let us quickly turn to... And we're going to go right back to Romans. There's some other things I want to talk about. But let us quickly turn to 1 Corinthians... No, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, I think it is. Yes, the 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse um, verse 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 through 10. says or because of these surpassing great revelations therefore in order to keep me from becoming conceited i was given a thorn in my flesh a messenger of satan to torment me three times i pleaded with the lord to take it away from me but he said to me my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. <clears throat> so, we see that the grace of God is empowering the Paul and Paul to do what he can't do in himself. Right? He admitted his weaknesses. He admitted times of difficulties. He admitted hardships, right? That caused the weakness in Paul. In order that he may be strong in the power of God by grace. Because in order to do what God called you to do effectively, you need to be weak in yourself. Amen. That is the prerequisite for all men and all women who become prosperous in the thing that God has called you to in this Christian walk is that we are weak in ourselves. Now, weakness does not equate, does not equal a life of failure. Okay, the reason why I say that is because when there is an admission, an acknowledgement, an embracing of our weakness, the grace and the power of God swallows up those infirmities and those weaknesses and enables you to do what you cannot do by yourself. So it is a life of perpetual victory. But to the man or to the woman who says, I am weak, and continues to fail, is in fact too strong in him or herself, in the flesh. That is the problem, is that the reason why you continue to fail in the things of God is because you're too strong in yourself as far as the flesh is concerned. Because, because there's an incompatibility. It doesn't matter how strong I am as a wrestler, it will not lead to success in a race. There are two different categories. There are two different playing fields. So when it comes to God's domain, you need to be weak in self and empowered by Him. Amen. Right? <clears throat> Doesn't matter how strong you are in the world. It does not equal strength in Christ. And so that is sometimes how our prayer should be. Lord, 
<clears throat> I cannot do this in myself. Lord, I need your strength. I need your power. I need your anointing. I need your glory. I need you to come through. Amen. You know, that's why, you know, when it comes to, for example, when it comes to, like, you know, um, situations where people, you know, want to attack you or do things or, you know, to outsmart you or, you know, um, maybe they, they don't like you or they're persecuting you, right? It's in times like that I, I, I don't revert to my mind, my head, right? To try to cover every base to make sure I'm good, right? What I go, what I do is I go to the Lord and I bring that problem to him. If someone's a problem to me, I bring that person to them. And I, I tell God, God, show me what I need to see. Right? So I can rely on myself. Or I can rely on the God who sees all and knows all and can do all. And you know why? That's why David was so successful in his battles. He was an inquirer of the Lord. Lord, should I go and pursue? And the Lord says, pursue for you shall recover all. But doesn't matter how much he has gone to battle. He didn't go without consulting the Lord. <clears throat> See, some of you want to go into marriage. Some of you guys want to go into things or go into certain things as far as ministry is concerned or business is concerned or career is concerned, and you don't consult God. And so now once you get in, you have to call on God to bail you out. And so let, let us look at uh, one other verse. Um, <clears throat> where is this verse at? Uh, give me one second. First uh, Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10. <clears throat> the word of the Lord says this. Uh, well, we'll start at verse 9, actually. Verse 9, For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, by what? By the grace of God. I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them. You know, see, to the person who fear, feels inferior in themselves, they will say, oh, Paul is acting in pride. Man, look at this guy trying to say he labored more than me. Right? Man, that guy, he's just boasting. Isn't that what David's brother did to David? Oh, here, here he comes. He just he wants to show for himself, right? See, that's why you have to be careful when a man of God or a woman of God says something that is confident. Because if you are inferior, you will project your pride onto them. I'm not saying that there aren't people who act in pride. There aren't people who act in pride because there are. But the, the point that I'm trying to make is just because you say something like this that distinguishes yourself from others, it doesn't immediately mean that you're operating in pride. Yeah. 
In fact, it may be pride that leads you to say the complete opposite. It's just a false humility. Oh, no. I'm just a wretch. No, I didn't do anything. Uh, I, I, I barely even labor. Right? People who act like that. It's like, come on, shut up. Just tell the truth. We know you did the most labor here. You, you get what I'm saying? It's just like, be honest. You know, honesty doesn't mean tell the truth to hurt people. It just means be honest. Amen? Yeah. That don't help you. That don't help God. That don't help people. Right? It, it, it's like, have you ever met those people that like to just kind of flatter others? So that they can elevate themselves. Have you ever been around those people? Come on, I know you have. Amen. Please tell me, are they annoying to be around or are they most delightful? No, because it's deceptive. Amen? We don't like people being deceptive. Amen. We just like people telling the truth. Right? Just being honest, being real. Amen. <clears throat> it's like it's like when people say, "Can I be real?" It's like, "Well, I was hoping that you were always just being real." <laughs> Come on now. Um so, but look at what he says. Um uh, He says, "No, I worked harder than all of them." But he qualifies it and says, Yet yeah, not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Amen. Amen. So what Paul was able to accomplish, what he did was wrought by God's grace. And so now notice Paul's statement. Doesn't it make sense in light of what he said, the advice he gave us there in Romans? Where it says, don't think of yourself more highly but with, with sound judgment, with sober judgment, Paul is thinking of himself in sober judgment. Right? Even though what Paul is saying may be more than the rest of the church, it doesn't mean that it's more than what God has called them to. See, some of the things that you are doing or are called to do are is something that is more than what the majority will do. Amen? And, and, and you you have to tap into that grace in order to actualize it in your life. Amen. <clears throat> so don't frustrate the grace of God. Paul tells us that in Galatians, that you can frustrate the grace of God. You know that? Amen. So let me, let me give you this a bit of advice. Sometimes... Frustrating the grace of God is to do what you think should be done in your mind and continuing to insist on what on your own wisdom. <clears throat> For example, let me give you a practical example. Some years back when I was, you know, first evangelizing, I used to rely on Ray Comfort's method. You know, take him to the law of God and Ask them if they committed this sin, and you know, and I, I'm, you know, I'm not saying I'm not knocking them for that. If that's what he does, that's what he does. But I noticed that a lot of my interactions and my encounters were people were fruitless. 
when evangelizing. And you know why? Because I'm taking a system, a framework, and using it, and I'm standing alone in my interaction with that person. The grace of God is not there empowering me, even though I'm speaking for God. You know why? Because the uniqueness that God has created me with is compatible with an area of grace that needs to be linked together and will result in a different way of interacting with that individual. So that if I keep relying on Ray Comfort system and not relying on how God has graced me, then I won't be as effective as I need to be. And some of you need to be okay with who God has called you to be and how God wants you to do a particular thing. Because if you wear Saul's armor, you may not be able to go out and fight and obtain a victory. Amen. Does that make sense? Amen. You have to wear your own armor. <clears throat> now, as we read through the rest of this here, so, again, humility is not to think less of yourself. Um, it's not humility. All it is is hurt pride. It's hurt religious pride. You, you think of yourself as someone that has value. Jesus says, if, I feed this, if the Father feeds the sparrows, are you not more valuable than they? Much yeah. more valuable. Amen. So now let me say this too. Everybody has a different measure of grace. Just as they had different talents, different uh, amount of talents assigned to them, everybody has a different measure of grace. So you can't get upset at someone who has more grace than you. You know, I can't tell you how many people, you know, throughout the years have even become envious of me and I'm not because I'm someone special, but because they want to preach or become envious at this sister because she has this powerful voice to be able to sing. And it's like, no, you can't get envious of what God has assigned to someone else in their area of grace because you don't know what battles they fight and what wars they go through. Amen. A lot of people are envious yeah, of the right. grace, but they're not envious of the battles. And you have to respect people with scars. You know, whenever I talk to an older person, even if I don't agree with everything, you know, I make it a principle of mine. I'm not going to disrespect them, even if I know more than them, because I'm younger than them. Especially if they got gray hair. Amen. Even, even if they say, you know, little boy, I'm old enough to be your grandma. <laughs> it's like, I don't really like the way you're talking to me, but I'm not going to let you know that because you're right and I'm just going to humble myself. You get what I'm saying? You know why? Because when it comes to like a little 10 year old trying to tell me something, I'm thinking, my hey, you little pipsqueak, what do you, who do you think you, 
You get what I'm saying? <laughs> I won't say that, but it's what I'm thinking. I'm like, boy, I wish your parents would slap you upside your head because <laughs> you deserve it. <laughs> you need it. Um, <clears throat> but the point that I'm trying to make is, um, you know, respecting people with scars, with, with, uh, their, their battle scars, you know, doesn't mean they're always right, but it just means, you know, see, this is what we got to learn to brothers and sisters is that you just can't talk to anybody the way you want. And there are certain people that you can talk to differently that you can't talk to others. Amen. Um, it doesn't mean that you get to be rude to people. You never get a pass to be rude. You never get a pass to be disrespectful. But there are some things you get away with to saying to certain people that you can't with other people. And, and you know, I, I bring up this example um, and, you know, to, to be vulnerable. But I remember when I first got saved, I had shake, I, I, I had addressed the bishop in a way that I was ignorant of at the time because I didn't understand church dynamics. But that had come as a shock to him. And I later regretted when I seen that I made a mistake. Does that make sense? Amen. You guys know what I'm talking about? We do. <clears throat> and so, you know, this is what Paul says. He says, he says to Timothy, treat the younger sisters with all purity. He's, he says the younger women as younger sisters. He says, treat the, you know, the older women as mothers. Right? Amen. Um, and he says the older uh, men as fathers, right? So that doesn't mean the doctrine changes. It just means that we learn our different roles and we address accordingly. Like, for example, when it comes to my dad, I haven't seen him in a while, but it's sad because I feel like it's almost like I need a parent him but I won't speak to him that way because he's still my he's still my father amen and you know it, it breaks my heart the way that I see kids talk to their parents or or you know just or kids talk to teachers and kids talk to officers it's it's disrespectful you know what? Let me just give you this advice. Whenever you see an officer, address them as officer. They earn that. They put their lives on the line every single day. They're not your equal. I don't care how you feel about it. I don't care if you know more than them. I don't care if they're younger than you. You know, sometimes, uh, you know, I, I see, you know, these younger officers that I'm like, man, you're a rookie. You know, I don't tell them that and I don't mean it in a demeaning way. But I, I'm like, you know, you're learning. But still, I respect the badge. You're an officer. If someone got a PhD, refer to them as doctor. They earn that. Yeah. 
Amen. You know, e e even though you know I'm I'm in my college, and there's people like near my age, it doesn't matter. They're still professor. And then yet here comes this stupid religious religiosity that says they're just a man like me. Well, that's why you are still in the same mediocre position as you're in. Because you don't honor people and it takes honoring people for elevation. Amen. Because there's going to be people just as qualified as you. And so what's going to distinguish you from them? You wonder why you never get certain positions, why you never move forward, why you never advance, why you're never elevated, and you're just as qualified, if not more qualified than the next man, is because you're not distinguished because you're dishonor. Because I can tell you, a man or a woman that honors a person of higher rank, that person will look upon that individual with favor. Amen. 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 So, it, it, I guarantee you, if you if you start honoring people in action and in word, your favor will increase. Amen. It will. And what is honor? It's the recognition. Of one's distinguished achievements, role, position, or value. It's not flattery. It is an acknowledgement. It is honor to say, you know what? This person is not my equal. They are higher than me, and I will let them know I know that. You know, some of you, your mo your mom and your dad bend over backwards for you, and you just t send them a little text, thanks. That's dishonorable. There's nothing honorable about that. You know what honor will look like? Mother, I, I thank you so very much. You're always here for me. You are a, you're a phenomenal mother. And I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for all that you've done for me. That's honor, not thanks. What's a th In fact, you're better just shutting up because that's an insult. It just shows your mind is somewhere else. If all you can do is that. You get what I'm saying? She spent how many years bending over backwards to make sure that you have everything you need and that's all you can do? Amen. Is this is, is that in your Bible? Honor. But you know what? I'll tell you this. Some people say, well, I just honor God. No, you're a liar. Because you cannot be dishonorable towards those who God tells you to honor. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. Um, 
We have to capture that back in the church. That sense of reverence. That sense of honor. A sense of honor for our teachers, for our professors, for our law enforcement. Right, for our military. I know people hate that. I know they do. But I really don't care. Yeah. You're giving your life so I can have freedom. That's honorable. Yeah. Amen. And let me just say this real quickly and take it how you want it, as well as for pastors. Because as much as they're just a, a, a Christian too, they're not equal to you. Now, what I'm not saying is that they're more valuable than they They're not more valuable than you. We're equal in value, but not equal in position. And the Bible says in, uh, what is it, Second Timothy, bestow upon those who labor in the word double honor. Amen. That's what, that's what the text says. And, um, you know, see, the way that pastors should be viewed today are like fathers. Now, understand, I understand that there are wolves in sheep's clothing. There are wolves in sheep's clothing. And they just exploit people. You know, we're not talking about them. They're non-factors. And, but, you know, we're talking about real men of God. And um, does, that, does that make sense? Like Paul says, he, he says, you, you have many instructors, but you have not many fathers. And, um, you know, let, let me just say this last thing about this. Because I understand that there might be some things that you have to work through in your heart when it comes to, you know, accepting, and, and I'm going to just be honest, not because I'm trying to make people feel uncomfortable, but because I believe that preaching should be this way towards um, in-house preaching, um, is there might be some obstacles that you have to accept what I say. Maybe because, you know, I'm younger than you. Maybe because, you know, different reasons. But at the end of the day, I'm still a minister of the gospel over this fold. Now, someone might say, well, I don't have to listen. And at the end of the day, you know, you're grown. You can do what you want. You can. And, but I'll tell you what. Um, yes, you will hurt yourself, you know, and you'll, you'll hurt other people's hearts. You know, it, it breaks my heart if I if I see somebody do something that I don't believe God wants them to do. You know? And I genuinely care about each and every one of you. And so, you know, if I if I get a little I, I don't want to use the word intrusive, but it's the only word that I can think of, right? Um prying a little bit, like, hey, where you know, where have you been? Or how is your life doing? How's your prayer life doing? Right? It's like, oh, dang, I have to give an account. <laughs> but it's like, no, you don't. I mean, you can lie about it. You, you, can, you can just say, I'm not comfortable saying that. But the, the point of the matter is, is 
it helps you to stay in the light. And yeah. and these are things that I'm I'm preaching not because, you know, I, I've gone through them myself. The the apostle who fathered me, I I would you know there's times where I'm like, oh, gosh, you know. It, it's hard. And anybody says that it's easy, it's not. It's not an easy thing. There were times that I, I cried because I got rebuked. It hurt. And, and it wasn't just in a preaching manner, it was directly. You know? And, but... I can say that it has helped me to become better than I would have been without that. And, and let me say this last thing about that. <clears throat> because there are some things that God wants to get you to. Because we're talking about giftings and grace and callings and stuff. I had to learn this too. It doesn't matter how knowledgeable you are. It doesn't matter how much you know the Bible doesn't matter how wise you are. doesn't matter how many years of experience you have. God always puts a person through the process of serving another. Amen. When I look back to the years that I, I, I had to serve, even pastors who kept putting me on the back burner and would never use my gift. And I would think, God, why is this happening? Why do I become truncated by what all these other men are doing? And God yet was testing me, putting me through these seasons of, of, of wilderness in order to test my heart. Because if all you can do is, is to get on a platform, but you can't serve and to be unnoticed so that when you do get noticed, it will jack you up. It will mess you up. Now, as, as we're coming to a close, I do want to read, I want to read this. Um, going back to Romans, it says, but just as each of us one body, uh, but just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. So, Paul is saying, look, we're not all called to do the same thing. And that's okay. You know, you might be the hand, you might be the foot, you, but we all are supposed to function together. Amen? So you have a purpose, brother and sister. You have a unique and a distinctive purpose that is useful, that helps the body of Christ to get to where it needs to go. Do you realize that? No. That's what you have. And so don't, don't undermine what God has given you. Don't devalue what God has given you. Don't devalue it. Embrace it. Accept it. It's who God has called you to be. Isn't that much better to be with purpose than to be purposeless? Amen. Imagine a life without purpose. You know, there are people in Hollywood today that are ending their life because they feel like life is purposeless. And yet, you know the truth. You know what your purpose is. What a joy. What a delight. What an honor. 
And let me tell you this to encourage you. No one can duplicate what you can do. You cannot be duplicated. You cannot be replicated. You have a distinct fingerprint that no one else in all of the world has because you are different by God. And there are people that need you to be you. There are things that people love about you that is just you. And they don't want you to change. Amen? Now, of course, there are some things that of you, about you that do need to change. But, you know? I mean, you know, I've been married since 2016 and I'm sorry, but I have to, my wife knows and she learned that you know, I'm cranky in the morning. <laughs> I need coffee and I need prayer. <laughs> so, and my son is the same way. <laughs> she calls me Mr. Grouch. But what, just, because she, you know, she would want to talk to me in the morning and hug me. And it's like, no, I, I need to talk to Jesus. Let me talk to Jesus first, and then after that, I'll come out, and then I'm a changed man. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> and those of you who aren't married yet, you'll know. You'll find out. You, you'll find out the things about your wife, and, you know, um, or you find things out about your husband. That uh, he ain't always going to want to go in some warm socks with the hot chocolate over a fire and cuddle with you. <laughs> yeah, I'm just being honest. <clears throat> but it says right here, uh, verse 6. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. Now, let me share this. It says, in accordance with your faith. The Bible says that we are saved by grace through faith. Okay? <clears throat> you want to know where your area of grace is? It's what you have faith for. Generally speaking, you might need your faith to increase. Because the devil tries to instill doubt. Right? And you need to feast upon God's word a little more and pray a little more so that faith is ignited again. But generally speaking, what you have faith to do, now there are exceptions. Don't get me wrong. What you have faith to do is what God has given you grace to do. Amen? Where you feel like, man, every time I speak, like, God is moving. Like, you know, and you have faith to go up there. Even if it's a little bit of faith. Because there is great faith and there's mustard seed faith. Amen? Does that make sense? And so faith isn't presumption. It's not working yourself up in a frenzy to try to convince yourself of something that just ain't happening. It's a, no, I, I do have a conviction in my gut given to me by the Lord that I need to be doing this. Amen. And that's your area of grace. Does that make sense? So, um, if it is serving, then serve. Now, I want to break this down. Um, serving, we're all servants. But, 
some have an exceptional gift of servitude. Like when you think of servant, you think of this person. They're there, they want to help, you know, supply things, and they're like, what do you need me for? Right? I used this statement before, but it's that everybody don't mind being called the servant of God. They just don't want to be treated like one or used like one. <laughs> right? Um, <clears throat> but it says, if it is to encourage, then give encouragement. See, some of you aren't preachers. But your gift is to encourage the body of Christ. You're a wonderful encourager. The Bible says that uh, Barnabas was the son of encouragement. The son of consolation. That was his gift. You're not very good for rebuking, but you're good for encouragement. And your gift is needed. You might say, well, I'm not the best teacher. I don't know how to expound the mysteries of God through the book of Revelation. I'm not, but no, that encouragement is needed because there are wounded people in the body of Christ that need to hear what you have to say. Does that make sense? And again, don't allow the devil or anybody else to cause you to think that you're any, you are not valued in the body of Christ. There are things that you can do that I cannot do. Amen. Let me repeat that again. There are things you can do that I cannot do. Amen. And that is okay. And there are things that you cannot do that I can do. And vice versa with everybody else in the body of Christ. It says, if it is giving, then give generously. Now, I wanted to uh, clarify on this because just because Paul is acknowledging that there's a gift of giving doesn't exclude you from the necessity to give. Now, there are two things that I think distinguishes this person from the rest, and it's this. Either they have a large, like significant portions of money, like, like millionaires and stuff like that, but also the, the exceptional willingness to give. Like that is their thing. They're a giver. Does that make sense? So it doesn't so that doesn't exclude those who aren't don't have the gift of giving. It doesn't exclude them from giving. Because the Bible does command all, right? But there is an exceptional grace on their life to give either larger sums or more frequently. Does that make sense? <coughs> Let me just say this on the side. You know, take it for what it's worth. Everybody in the body of Christ should be paying tithes. And I know that's a topic that people don't like today. I don't like talking about the topic but it's just biblical. Okay? Um and so you don't don't uh tell yourself, "Oh, I don't got the gift of giving, so I don't have to pay tithes." And just so you know, I pay them too. So it's not just say do as I say, but not as I do, right? I believe that even ministers need to pay tithes. Does that make sense? Amen. It's a, it's a command. It says in Malachi, it equates not paying tithes with robbing God. And let me say this. 
Tithes is not the same thing as alms. Someone says, I give to the poor. Not That's not tithes. I don't care. Because so, some people say, oh yeah, uh, well, I don't, I don't know what the, the pastor or the church is doing with my money anyway, so I don't trust him, so I'm going to go ahead and give to a poor person, so I know what my money... No, that's not for you. The, the tithes in the Old Testament went to the Levites, who were the ministers of the temple. Anything in addition to that were love offerings, free offerings, thank offerings, grain offerings, or alms. Alms were given to poor people. Amen. Okay, and that's that's Bible. Now, the, the, the Levites were the priests after the Levitical priesthood. There is a priesthood in the New Covenant, namely the Melchizedek priesthood. Okay? That's Bible. Hebrews 7. It's Scripture. Okay? So, the ministerial priesthood are those who are ministers. Right? They are teaching priests. They are pastors. And so, tithes go to them. All right, so the tithes went to the Levites, and the New Covenant tithes go to the fivefold ministry. And so I'm just I'm just breaking down the Bible to you, you know, and I'm, I hope that no one gets offended. Because let, let me just say this one thing also about this. <clears throat> I get it. There's there 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 are people that are exploiters. Okay, I get that, but at the same time. Um, they'll exploit people for anything, right? And I get those people out there exist. However, that is not an excuse to say that everybody is like that and then exclude you from this command. Does that make sense? So, um... Because what what happens when we start becoming Pharisees and we rationalize and cherry pick what we want in the scripture. And so our obedience now becomes conditional. Amen? Amen. You know, I remember one time years back, I'm going to say this just so, you know, I have to bring up these examples so that People don't accuse me of being a, ch- a charlatan <clears throat> um, or some, you know, uh, he, he don't practice this stuff. Um, I think maybe three years ago, I got a large sum of money. I got 10 grand. Okay. I got 10 grand. Well, guess what? That's a tithe. And I paid tithes with that. Now, what people will do, see, people will say, God will test you because it's like, oh, I got a lot of money. uh, I'm going to keep it all for myself because after all, I need to use all of it. Right? And we start rationalizing. It's like, wait, God expects me to give that much? Now, what is a tithe? Tithe is 10%. Just so, just so that you guys don't, you know, um, 
that's what a tithe is, is 10%. And and so, you guys following so far? Let me let me know, amen, in the chat. So, I know you guys are following. <clears throat> tithe is 10%. And so this is, and the, and the reason why I bring up that amount is because, hey, sometimes that giving is going to be hard. It's one thing if you're making a little bit and you got to give 10% of that. It's a whole other thing once you start getting more and God starts entrusting you with more, can you still be obedient? Amen. And someone told me, someone sent on Facebook recently, like maybe some months back and said, oh, are you going to tell a poor person to tithe? I'm like, yeah. Does Caesar tell them to pay taxes? Yeah. Because that money's not theirs. That 10% belongs to Caesar. Amen. He don't care if you're rich. He don't care if you're poor. Amen. In fact, you know why God made it 10%? So that both poor and rich can give. Amen. So that whether you're making million dollars a year or you're only making a hundred, both of you can still give ten. Amen. So that's why the whole what if they're poor argument doesn't work. Because in God's sight, he sees that the rich man and the poor man both gave the same amount. Amen. So now, apart from that... <clears throat> Now, I have to cover that because someone, see, we want to fancy ourselves that we're not greedy. Okay? But how can, how can you prove that if you don't ever trust God in your giving? How can you ever prove you're not? See, you, some people say Abraham had faith. Okay, but James says, demonstrate your faith by your works. See, Abraham did have faith even before he offered up Isaac, but it wasn't until he offered up Isaac that God says, now I know. Yeah. And see, there are some things that you don't know about yourself and you will only come to know until you're tested. Amen. So, um, <clears throat> you know, it's like the, the sisters that said, oh man, you know, I, I heard it a thousand times. Oh man, when I get a husband, I'll submit to him. Okay. But, uh, man, says so he got some problems. Like, I mean, it, it, like when someone tells you to do something, you don't want to do anything. You get, like, upset. You get bent out of shape. And I know people like that. And, you know, there's one individual I have in mind, they're almost 50 years old, and they're not married, and I'm like, I wonder why. I think maybe you haven't passed the test that God wanted to get to you. God wanted you to pass, right? But you haven't passed the humility test. Amen? Have you guys heard that before? Oh man, when I get married, I'm gonna submit to my husband. Well, let's let's hope so. See, some some of these things they're 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 tests that God brings you to in order to get you to where He needs you to be. Amen. 
How are you going to get a PhD in college if you don't even go to elementary school? Yeah. That's not going to happen. You get what I'm saying? You have to pass those A, Bs, and Cs. So coming to this last verse, says, If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Now, <clears throat> I'm not going to go to the other passage, but you guys can read it on your own. It's 1 Corinthians. Uh, uh, just for the sake of time, I can't read this. So I, I do want to come to a close already. But maybe you guys can read this later. <clears throat> it's also a, a section where Paul talks about the gifts. Um, it's 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 29. And one quick point that I wanted to bring out about that is he lists different gifts here in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 that he doesn't list in Romans chapter 12. Now, the reason why I bring that up is because we have to understand that both of those lists are not exhaustive. That means there may be gifts that God has given you that Paul didn't list in either of the two. Because you might look and say, where's my gift at? And you not see it there. But it's through your personal relationship with God and your intimacy with Him that you begin to tap more and more into what you know God has called you to do and what He wants you to do. Does that make sense? Your gift may be there, and you may even have more than one gift. Amen? It You can have more than one gift. Amen? But when you when you identify those things, make sure that you're using them and you're not putting them on the shelf. <clears throat> 